This is Tripod, New Orleans at 300. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson. We left off at the Sold South panel that took place in New Orleans in December of 2016. The discussion centered around something Georgetown University did in 1838 when the institution sold 272 enslaved people to two plantations in Louisiana in order to avoid bankruptcy. University of New Orleans professor Raphael Casimir moderated that panel that consisted of Georgetown history professor Adam Rothman and two descendants of that fateful sale, Sherilyn Branch and Sandra Green Thomas. About an hour into the conversation, Casimir came out with the question. Do you think Georgetown has done enough to right this wrong? That's the one. There was a pause, and then... Uh, I'll answer that first. <laughs> Georgetown's Adam Rothman jumps in to nervous laughter from the crowd. I preempt them by saying no. Uh, I don't think Georgetown has done enough. I think we've made a, a good start, and there's a lot more to do. Like what? This is the question Georgetown and the descendants of those 272 enslaved people have been thinking about. Only recently did many of these descendants discover this deep, traumatic family history, and many are still grappling with this new information on an emotional level. So to guide Georgetown about what exactly would be enough, the descendants are figuring out what it is they want. It's a rare opportunity to design a process with tangible outcomes in an attempt to repair some of the unfathomable damage caused by slavery. The more descendant Karen Harper Royal learns about Georgetown's ties to slavery, the more she understands why this history is such a big deal. Why is this a big story? Because one sale of 272 human beings is one of the largest slave sales in this country. And it was done by members of the clergy. That's why it's a big deal. Got it. And Georgetown gets it too, which is why they went public with this news in 2015. Let's recap what else they've done since then. They renamed two buildings on campus that were formerly named after the two Jesuit slaveholders responsible for the sale. They opened an African-American studies center. They created a public digital archive of the research done on the sale. They connected with descendants and hosted community events. As for what they offered the descendants themselves, well, if they apply to Georgetown, they'll get legacy status. So I met with Sandra and Sherilyn again the day after the panel and asked them again when we were alone, has Georgetown done enough? Here's Sherilyn. They can't say, okay, we're going to do this. They're there now. You have some legacy status like an alumni's child. That's not enough. The Jesuits, they must do more. And they know it. Sandra Green Thomas says not only is it not enough, it doesn't fit. The descendants of slaves sold by Georgetown are not the same as children of Georgetown graduates. I think that the contributions made by our ancestors were so unique and specific that legacy status really has nothing to do with us. We need a status entirely of our own. And free tuition, she says. That's why these three women and 500 other descendants created the GU272 Foundation. They want Georgetown to help them raise a billion dollars to go towards the education for all descendants and their children and their children's children and so on. Education is the great equalizer. At least that's what we've all been told. So no, we're not asking for a pile of cash in our hands. You're listening to Tripod, New Orleans at 300. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson.
I think it's Confucius that said, if you want something to grow in a year, you plant rice. If you want something to grow in 10 years, you plant a tree. If you want something to grow for 100 years, you educate children. Sherilyn keeps coming back to this quote throughout the reparations process. You can never take education away, even at death. So that's what we want. But will they get it? The foundation exists, but Georgetown has yet to formally respond to this idea. And it's not just about higher education. The descendants want this reparations process to include lower rungs on the education ladder. Because right now, free admission to Georgetown wouldn't benefit all that many descendants. Living here in Louisiana, we know that we would probably have very few folks who would even qualify to go to Georgetown. So perhaps we should be looking at backing up that support for education, even down into the elementary and high school levels. And we've discussed that as, as a group, particularly in Marin Gwen. Some of the families that Georgetown sold ended up on the West Oak Plantation in Maringouin, Louisiana. It's a farming area and they still do raise the same kinds of sugar and, and those kinds of things. Maringouin is in Iberville Parish. The population is 87% black. The census report between 2008 and 2013 states that by eighth grade, only 41% of students are on track to be prepared for college. Only 5.2% of adults living in Maringouin have a bachelor's degree. These numbers matter because a lot of these people that live here are descendants of that sale. Formerly enslaved people and their families stayed in that area for generations after the Civil War, like Karen's family, who didn't even leave the plantation. I went to get the DNA sample of one of my uncles, and he told me, oh yeah, and when we left the plantation in the late 1960s, I said, wait a minute, Uncle, what do you mean you left the plantation in the late 1960s? Apparently, my grandfather and his wife and their 16 children lived and sharecropped on that plantation into the late 1960s. Wow, because that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, okay, they went to these plantations, and then when the Civil War ended, what did your families do at that point? And you're saying not much changed, maybe. Many of these families stayed where they were in Maringouin, where my father-in-law is from, that they ended up having work contracts with their enslavers. So these families remained in the same poor rural areas well into the 20th century. Ayo Arulaba grew up in the Bronx. His parents are from Nigeria. He's one of five Georgetown students that were invited to be a part of the Reconciliation Working Group. I thought about my own experience with high school, like coming in from a high school where only around 50% of people graduated. He agrees that reparations should include improving K-12 through education. I wasn't prepared to come to Georgetown, and if we limit the opportunities or legacy status to people who can get into Georgetown or who are already positioned to apply to a school like Georgetown, that's a very small population. Karen says it's not just about test scores and good grades. She wants to see this money lead to more extensive and honest education about our country's history of slavery. Well, we have Black History Month, so in one month... We learn about Dr. Martin Luther King and George Washington Carver and, and those types of things. But I never, ever learned about what it was really like during slavery. I'm certain in your K-12 education, you may not have either. I don't know anybody who did. Had it not been for roots, I don't know that any of us would know anything. Think about the misinformation that is out there in the world 
Uh, I mean, just recently we had a, a news person say, oh, well, when, when somebody said that slaves built the White House. Slaves did participate in the construction of the White House. Records show... That's Bill O'Reilly of Fox News back in 2016, reacting to former First Lady Michelle Obama's speech at the 2016 Democratic National Convention, where she said... I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. And now back to Bill O'Reilly. Slaves that worked there were well-fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government, which as if that makes up for not being free. This is a grown man not dealing with the truth of this country's beginnings has been a disservice to us all. While the descendants continue outlining what they feel is appropriate in terms of financial reconciliation, there are also a lot of emotions still being processed around all of this. Father Matt Carnes is a professor at Georgetown and says this is actually personal for him as well. As a Jesuit priest, it's forced him to connect with the slaveholding Jesuits of the story. I mean, these are Jesuits who were as embedded in a sinful system as anyone else. And they had a kind of um, a blind side that didn't allow them to see that. And that's tragic to me. I mean, these are guys that took the same vows I take, had the same commitment to God that I do, and they somehow couldn't see that. And it raises for me the question of, you know, where are the things that I'm somehow blind to that I don't pay enough attention to? Sandra Green Thomas says it's not just that Georgetown needs to reckon with the 272 enslaved people that it sold. The descendants of the purchasers, the other end of that transaction, need to enter the conversation as well. White privilege in this nation, and in particular in the South, is a very uncomfortable subject for everyone involved. And I imagine that the descendants of those who practice slavery are still very much around. There's no current plan to trace the genealogy of the descendants of the slaveholders, so there's still a missing party at the table. Which is why the descendants of the enslaved are thinking out loud about all this with each other and hoping Georgetown really hears everything you as a listener did just now. And if this doesn't feel like a real end to a story, it's because it isn't. In a lot of ways, it's really just the beginning. Now, what this is doing is forcing America to reckon with the fact that we were the segment of the community that they lived off of in order to prosper and to grow. And it wasn't that long ago, Lane. I mean, this country is in its infancy. So you know it wasn't that long ago when slavery ended. You know, it's still very fresh. Tripart is a production of WWNO New Orleans Public Radio in collaboration with the Historic New Orleans Collection and the University of New Orleans Midlow Center for New Orleans Studies. Special thanks to Evan Christopher for the opening theme music and to Pizza Delicious, offering original New York-style pizzas, house-made pastas, and a rotating seasonal menu for dine-in and delivery. Catch Tripod Thursdays in the morning, Mondays in the afternoon, on demand anytime if you subscribe to the podcast. You can also go to WWNO.org and catch part one of this if you missed part one. I also want to give a special thanks to Anne Hackett, who's been working with Tripod and was instrumental in this Georgetown series. So until next time, I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson and... I'm Anne Hackett, and I'll Tripod you later. <laughs>